Hey everyone, this is Johnny Martinez, pastor of Restoration Church, and welcome to our podcast. We hope this podcast inspires you and encourages you as you seek to follow Jesus. We hope you enjoy the sermon. About Christmas is the lights. Any, anyone else love the lights at Christmas season? Okay, I see a couple of hands. One, two, let's shut. Yeah, there we go. A couple of you guys love the lights uh, during Christmas season. I love, uh, you know, going through, driving down my neighborhood and seeing all the houses with the lights. Of course, my house doesn't have lights. Like, I like to see the lights. I don't like to put the lights in my house. I think I've been telling Christina for the past, like, six, seven years, like, oh, I'm going to do the lights this year. Nope, no lights at my house. But I love the lights. Um, I love how beautiful they look uh, in people's houses. I love uh, the shopping centers. Anyone like that? It's just weird, right? Like when they start putting the lights in the shopping centers, I'm like, oh man, hot chocolate, Christmas season, just, you know, my, my Starbucks drink, my frou-frou Starbucks drink. Like I just, I love that season. But I love how beautiful uh, the lights look at uh, people's houses and shopping centers at the mall and stuff like that. Uh, but even more than that, uh, I love the lights during Christmas season because of what they represent. I love the lights because they represent something much deeper than just beauty and, hey, the lights look cool, the shopping centers look cool. They represent something much greater and uh, much deeper. I love the lights because they symbolize the ultimate light that is Jesus that came into a dark, dark world. Uh, and that's what I think about when I think about the lights. I think about the light of Christ that was shown in my own heart to give me life when I was in darkness. And so not only do I love the lights because they symbolize the light of Christ into a dark, dark world, but they also symbolize your light, my light, the way we shine our light in a dark dark world. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's what the light symbolizes, not only the incarnation and, and the light of Christ, heaven invading earth, but it symbolizes you and I, us together, as we are light in a dark, dark world. And so the questions that we must ask ourselves this morning are these. Is our light hidden or is it seen? Is our light dim or is it bright? Is our light bringing glory to self or glory to God? And so friends, this morning, as we look at another song surrounding the birth of Christ, my hope is this. My hope is that your light would be rekindled, uh, that your light would be ignited by the ultimate light through the song that we examine today. And so if you have your Bibles, will you turn with me to Luke chapter 2? Luke chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 28 through 33. 
Luke chapter 2, verses 28 through 33. As you're getting there, um, let me just kind of set the context for a second. This is Simeon's song. This is Simeon's worship song to God. And so here's what's happening. Jesus at this time has already, has already been born. We kind of skipped the birth of Christ because I want to touch on the birth of Christ on Christmas Eve, so we kind of skipped ahead. But um, So at this point, Jesus is already born. It's 40 days after he uh, has born, and he's going to be presented uh, at the temple uh, by Mary and Joseph. They're taking Jesus to the temple to be presented uh, there. It's, um, it was a common practice by the law uh, that they would present every, every firstborn male. And so they're presenting Jesus. Now, there was a man, a righteous man named Simeon. Uh, and this man had been given divine revelation, uh, a divine visit by the Holy Spirit that he wouldn't die until his eyes have seen the Messiah. Okay, that, that's what the Holy Spirit told him, that, that he would not die until his eyes would see the Christ. And so at the right time through God's providence, Simeon was guided to the temple by the Spirit to finally have this encounter with the long-awaited Messiah. So before we dive into the text, let's just pause our hearts to pray. God, we thank you, we love you, we pray that you would ignite, rekindle our hearts for you, for your glory, to shine bright in a dark, dark world. God, speak to us through your word. Your word is powerful. Your word is inerrant, sufficient, clear, authoritative for us in our lives. And so God, speak to us through the power of your scripture. We thank you. We honor you in this place. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's just jump right in. Let's look at verse 28 this morning. 28 and 29, it says this. It says, He took him up in his arms, the Simeon taking Jesus up in his arms, and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Uh, as soon as I read that, um, uh, my parental instincts um, came up. Uh, as you know, we just had a, a brand new little baby. She's, she just turned three months. And uh, I was like, man, I, I was thinking about it. If I was Mary or Joseph, and this guy came up to me and said, hey, God told me that I wasn't going to die until I saw your baby. Can I hold him? I'd be like, dude, get away from me, right? Like, well, you know, get away from me. So I'm just thinking through the eyes of Mary and Joseph. He's like, what in the world? Like, dude, back up, right? Uh, but uh, he took the baby, he took Jesus in his arms, it says. And so, man, when you think about it, Simeon, he was holding salvation. He was holding salvation itself in his arms. And he began to bless God. Now, this word blessed here means to praise, right? It's kind of where we get our word for eulogy, to praise someone. And so he's praising God. He, he's worshiping God. And he tells, uh, he's worshiping God. And as he's worshiping God, he says, God, you know, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Like now I could die because I have seen your salvation, because I have seen the Christ. I can now depart in peace. Meaning not that he can leave the temple, but that he could finally just pass away and die, which really made me think about something which we don't really think about a lot, and uh, that's death, right? It's not the main point of this topic, but I just want to hit on it just really briefly. We really don't like to think about death 
a lot, right? It's just something we don't talk about. We don't think about death. But man, God's people, if you're in Christ, should never be afraid of death, should never be afraid of dying. Because if you're in Christ, you're departing in peace. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says, he says, yet Paul says, yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be what? Away from the body and at home with the Lord. When you're away from the body, where are you? You're with Christ. You're with the Lord. You're with God. Philippians chapter 1 verse 23 says, I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to what? To depart and be with Christ. For that is what? That is far better. And so there's no fear for the believer to depart because we depart in hope, we depart in peace. And so that's what Simeon's praising God here. He's singing, God, thank you. I've, I've seen the Christ. I'm departing in peace according to your word. God promised Simeon that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. And that is exactly what happened. That is exactly what happened. And so Simeon here is essentially praising God for his faithfulness, that God always keeps his promises, that God doesn't break his promises. And if you've been with us for the last three weeks, for the last three weeks, what has been a theme that's been consistent in every single song? It's been God's faithfulness. Every single worship song around the birth of Christ has an element of God's faithfulness, of God's covenant-keeping promises. And so may I just remind you, church, for the third time, that God is faithful, that God is good. Because although maybe you've been with us every single week, we have a really, really bad memory, don't we? We forget, we're very forgetful. And may I remind you this morning that our forgetfulness does not nullify God's faithfulness. He's faithful even when we forget. But let me just remind you that he is a faithful God, that whatever he says, he will do. And I hope and I pray that you would just cling on to that. He's a faithful, covenant-keeping God who never breaks his promises. And so Simeon now gives us the reasons for breaking out in praise. Look at verse 30. He says, For my eyes have seen your salvation. God, I bless you, I praise you that, that I have seen your salvation. Now, what's really interesting here is that Luke doesn't use the normal word, the Greek term for salvation. He doesn't use the normal word. He actually uses, he uses a different word that actually means one fitted to save. One that is fitted to save. That Jesus is the only one who is perfectly fitted to save imperfect people. Jesus, according to, uh, to Paul, according to the scriptures, Jesus is, we only have one mediator. Jesus is the mediator between God and man. He's truly God and he's truly man. He's perfect, he's sinless, and he is the only one who is perfect that can save imperfect people. Where everyone else failed and where Israel failed and everyone else failed, Jesus is the fulfillment of that. He's perfect. He doesn't fail. He's a perfect savior. And so, and so Simeon praises God for that. Look at verse 30, 31. He says, he says that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. That he's prepared salvation in the presence of all peoples. Now, I, I really thought about that, the whole idea of preparation. 
that God prepared salvation in the presence of all people. And so what does that refer to, that God prepares something? Well, you know, to prepare means to plan, right? Like when you prepare dinner for a guest, like you plan out the dinner, you clean the house, like you get ready, like there is a plan for that. And so the idea of God preparing salvation for all people, all peoples, speaks of God's redeeming plan in salvation history. That, that God had a plan from the beginning, from the moment Adam and Eve sinned, God had a plan and prepared salvation for all peoples, all types of peoples. Let me just give you this thought here. In Genesis chapter 3, at the fall, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, this is, uh, this is uh, af- right after the fall, God is, is speaking to Satan through the serpent. Look what it says here. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, right? And so essentially what, what's going on here is like, hey, there's going to be enmity. There's going to be a conflict between the people of God, believers, the people of God, and Satan and his demons and, and, and the, people that, um, uh, the people that hate God, right? There, there, there's going to be conflict because, of, because sin has entered into this world. There's going to be tension. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be chaos, hatred, and all of those things. But then look what he says. He says, he shall bruise your head. He's speaking about Jesus. He shall bruise your head, speaking to the serpent, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, what does that mean? Well, we know that um, a strike to the heel is not as bad to, as, as a strike to the head, right? A blow to the heel is a lot less impactful than to a, a blow to the head. And so essentially that th- this here, church, is a preview of the gospel. This is the first message of the gospel, the good news of the gospel, that, that someone is going to come and bruise and crush the head of the serpent, Jesus Christ, through his life, death, and resurrection. And so from the beginning, from the fall, this first gospel, God had a plan in redeeming a people for himself. And Simeon says, all people, all people, doesn't matter what you look like, doesn't matter where you're from, uh, doesn't matter how much money you have, doesn't matter your education, doesn't matter your skin, all people. And that is, that is the, the revelation or the vision that John saw, right, in Revelation 7. It says this, after this, I looked And behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation is for all people. Again, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter where you come from. And so Simeon is praising God for this, that God not only has prepared a salvation from the beginning, he's had a plan. You know, there's, a, there's this uh, song out there, and maybe you already know it. It's, uh, it's, it's uh, called Reckless Love, and it was super, super popular for some time. And I'm just like, I don't think God's love is reckless. Like, I, I think God had a plan in what he was doing. 
He just didn't just recklessly love people. No, there was intention. There was preparation. There was a plan. Sorry if I totally ruined your favorite song, but I just, you know, I just think about that sometimes. He had a plan. He prepared it. Salvation for all people. Look at verse 32. That salvation is available to everyone, to the whole world, as the light came into the world. Look at verse 32. It says, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. So now Simeon is praising God that a light, Jesus, has entered a dark, dark world. If you remember the song of Zechariah in Luke chapter 1, this is what he sang. He said, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, speaking about Jesus, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. That was a song about Jesus, that the sunrise shall visit us from on high. A new mercy, a new hope, right? That's what a new day gives us, a new light, a new mercy from God, a new way to relate to God through the incarnation of Christ, a new life, new purpose, new everything. But he came into this world as light. And that's what Jesus says about himself. In John chapter 8, he says this. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In John chapter 12, he says this. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. So Jesus and all of the scriptures point to the fact that he is the light, that he came into the world through the incarnation, wrapped in flesh to be light in a dark, dark place. Jesus comes to illuminate a dark world. That is true about our world, isn't it? That it's dark. I mean, that's what the Bible describes our world. It describes darkness, biblical darkness, as chaos, as darkness was over the surface of the deep in Genesis, right? It's a contrast to, it's like talking about disorder compared to God's order as he's creating the universe. So in the Bible, darkness is seen as chaos. In the Bible, darkness is seen as sin, Proverbs chapter 4. In the Bible, darkness is seen as Satan's kingdom, Colossians chapter 1. In the Bible, darkness is seen as a godless world system, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. In the Bible, darkness is talked about as death, John chapter 1. It talks about trials and testings in Psalm 18, sorrow and suffering in Psalm 6, eternal judgment in Matthew chapter 8, disobedience in 1 John chapter 1, and ignorance of God's ways in Romans chapter 1. That's how the Bible uses darkness, all of those things. And isn't that true? Isn't that true of our world today, church? Isn't there chaos in our world? Isn't there evil in our world? Uh, isn't there sin and suffering and injustice, and trials, 
and depression and hopelessness, suicide, all kinds of things. Our world is dark. And I think sometimes we forget how dark our world is. Because in our culture, what's one of the taglines of our culture? Well, people are good. People are inherently good. We're all good people. Well, the Bible says it's different. There's no, there's no one good, not even one. Well, things aren't that bad in our world. Well, I think sometimes we, be, we become so desensitized to what's happening in our world because we see it so often that it's just like, oh, another shooting, another killing, another war, another sex traffic. Oh, it's just, it's part of it. It's dark. It's dark. We live in a dark world. But what is light for? What is the purpose of light? I can give you two reasons, and there's two reasons that actually Simeon points out in this worship song. The first is light is helpful for us to see, isn't it? Like to see things. Light is helpful for us to see. And look what he says. He says in verse 32, a light, what? For revelation to the Gentiles, or Gentiles, a non-Jewish person. So light helps us see. You see, the word revelation here means to make fully known or to disclose. To, 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 to make fully known something that was hidden, something that was disclosed, something that we couldn't see with the light. Now we can see it. When I was a youth pastor, I had this amazing idea. As a youth pastor, I had a, a, a lot of great ideas. And one of the best ideas I had as a youth pastor was to do this. I decided to do an event called Blindfolded Dodgeball, okay? Blindfolded Dodgeball. Now, you could probably imagine how that went. I kid you not, okay, I kid you not. There was some broken bones that Sunday morning. There really was. Someone broke their toe, and it was just it was awesome. Like, it was awesome, right? But they couldn't see. They were blindfolded. They were throwing the ball at each other. They were hitting each other. I had no blindfold. I was seeing everything. I got the revelation from God. Like I, and, uh, but they couldn't see anything because they were blindfolded. And so the Gentiles were blindfolded. They couldn't see the light of Christ. But with the coming of Jesus, with the coming of light, he has revealed, removed the blindfold so they can see clearly the hope and salvation that is available to them. We need that revelation from God. Because at one point, believer, you and I had the blindfold on, spiritually speaking. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Man, the, the God of this world has blindfolded people, has blindfolded unbelievers from seeing the light of Christ. For that we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servant for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
the enemy tries to keep us blindfolded. But Christ shines his light into our hearts so that we can see Jesus clearly, so that we can see our need for a Savior, so that we can see our own sinfulness, repent of our sins, and place our faith in Christ and receive that hope and eternal life and forgiveness of sins. And so Jesus came to be a light, not to keep people in darkness. The question this morning is this, have you seen the light? Has the light shown in your heart? Or are you living in darkness? Have you seen the light? Have you seen salvation in Jesus Christ? Have you seen your need for a savior? Have you seen the light? And so light is not only good for us to see things, but it's also good for us to be seen, isn't it? Like you can't see each other in the dark. We can't see people in the dark. But it's also good for people to be seen. And that's what exactly what Simeon says here. He says, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So now what does that mean? You see, Israel was God's special and chosen people who would be used by God to bless all of the world. And so through Israel, the Messiah would come to bring salvation for all people. So attention would be drawn to Israel because salvation would come through them, through, through them, their, their chosen people. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 through 3 speaks about it. And, and so in other words, the spotlight would be placed on Israel because through them the Messiah would come. And so they would be seen by the world. They would be seen by everyone. And people would say, man, that's God's chosen people. That They're God's ambassadors. Like through, through Israel, through this Jewish chosen people, uh, God would bless us all. And so attention would be drawn to them. They would be seen by the world. Does that make sense? And so you and I, church as well, are looked upon by the world. We ourselves are ambassadors of Christ. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 18 through 20 says that we have been given the message of reconciliation to reconcile people back to God, to be ambassadors and represent God in this dark world. And so if we have the light, if believers, we have the light and we are the light, people are looking at us and watching us. We have the message of hope. We have the message of the gospel. We have the message of Christ. So the question is, have people seen your light? Have people seen your light? Is it bright? I hope it is. I hope that when people see you, man, that they see this bright light, that you are just radiating and reflecting Christ that you're simply but a, a, a picture frame where God can shine through your life. That's my hope and my prayer that people would see your light. And so Simeon, man, he, he just praises God that, 
Salvation has come, that God has prepared salvation since the fall, that it wasn't reckless, that it's planned, and it's for all types of people. And look at verse 33. Look how, look how Mary and Joseph respond to this praise. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. They were left in awe. They were left in wonder. They were left in astonishment that their baby boy Jesus is the savior of the world, that he was going to come and save people from their sins, that he was going to come as a light into a dark world, and they just marveled. Can I ask you a question? When was the last time you sat in wonder of what Christ has done for you? When was the last time that you sat in awe, in astonishment, in amazement, and you just meditated and pondered and marveled at the light, at the beauty, at the sacrifice of Christ. You see, it's very difficult to marvel at what we don't meditate on. It's very difficult to marvel at what we don't meditate on. Man, I, I just encourage you. Just slow down and take some time to marvel and be left in wonder of who Christ is. So, church, what's the, if, I could, if I could summarize this message this morning in one big idea, and how do we respond to this message? It'd be this. I, I just like to be simple, I like to be clear. It'd be this, that through the incarnation comes illumination and imitation. That through the incarnation, that through the birth of Christ, God in the flesh comes illumination. Light in the darkness, light in a dark world for all people, and we are to imitate that light. Simple thought, big idea. Now, here's the question. Biggest question, most important question this morning is, how do we respond to that? How do we respond to that truth that Jesus came as light and we are to imitate that light? How do we respond? Because here's the thing. We could come week in, week out to church and listen to a sermon. That's just great. But a follower of Jesus not only listens to the sermon, they apply the sermon, right? We're not only, you know, hearers of the word, we're doers of the word. So let me just get very practical when it comes to responding to this message. Because I believe that God's word demands a response. It's not something we just listen to and that was cool and then we just go about it. No, it demands a response. And the first thing is this. I have three brief practical things. The first is this. I want to encourage you to let God's light shine in you. To let God's light shine in you. You see, here's the thing. Light is needed for life. You see, we need the sun. If we don't have the sun... There is no life at all, at all. Like this planet just crumbles without the sun, without the life. There's no life. 
no light, no life. And so I'm talking to you this morning and online that don't have a relationship with Jesus. You need the light for eternal life. You need the son Jesus for life. Let the light shine in you. How do you do that? How do you do that? You repent of sin and you place your faith in Christ. To repent of sin means to turn around, do a 180. Uh, you're, you're walking away from your old life, your old ways, and you realize that God's ways are bigger and that God's ways are better, and you turn away from your life of sin towards Christ. And you place your faith in him, acknowledging him as a Lord and Savior of your life. Jesus says that he would never cast out anyone who comes to him. So I implore you today, come to him. Come to Christ. Today is the day of salvation. We're not promised tomorrow. It's today. Today. Eternity matters now. Eternity matters today. Let the light of Christ shine in you so deep that it transforms your life. Number two, let God's light shine through you. Believer, I'm talking to believers now. Let God's light shine through you. Now, we're about to head into Christmas. And uh, sometimes it's a little hard to let our light shine during the holidays, especially when we see family and friends that are a little hard to love, right? And we're going to see people that maybe have hurt us. Or we're going to see people that, man, like, I just, I'm not happy to see them. Man, it's the perfect opportunity for you to let your light shine. To love them regardless of what they've done to you or how they've treated you. Let your light shine. Go first. Always be first. Be first to love. Be first to forgive. Be first to give. Just a practical way right now that we can let our light shine, especially with people that have hurt us or hard to love. And as we let our light shine in a dark world, as we're walking in the light, in obedience, in holiness, in righteousness, dependent on the power of the Spirit, I want us to be aware of some dangers. I want us to be aware of what I like to call light dimmers. Things that dim your light. Briefly, let me give you briefly four things that dim your light. Number one, it's comparison. Comparison dims your light. Man, I'm not a super Christian. Like they read their Bible, they serve, they give, they have the perfect family. My light doesn't matter. And so when we begin to compare, that dims our light. No, you, you stay in your lane and you do what God's called you to do and you shine your light. There was a study done in like 1940 of how far you can see a light, like how, how far you can see a light. And so they took like a, a, can, a, a, a candle and you could, see, you could see a candle flame in the darkness, unobstructed from 30 miles away. From 30 miles away, you could see a candle flicker. Your light is important. Don't compare. 
don't compare. Let your light shine bright because what you might see as insignificant, God in the world sees it as big and important. The second light dimmer is compromise. First John chapter one talks about walking in the light and not in the darkness. When we compromise on the word of God, when we live apart from the word, when we live in sin and disobedience, we are compromising and that dims your light. It dims your effectiveness. Don't compromise. Third, comfort. I like my comfort zone. I don't like to take risk. I like to stay in my comfort zone. I like, I like my little area. I don't wanna take risks for God. I don't wanna sacrifice. I don't wanna do more than is expected. I like my comfort zone. That'll dim your light. Complacency, going through the motions, checking the box Christianity, That'll dim your light. Comparison, compromise, comfort, complacency. Be aware of those. They will dim your light quickly. But I'll tell you what. You know what will ignite your light? The Word of God. The Scriptures. God's Word for us will ignite you and set your life on fire for the whole world to see. Third, lastly, let God's light shine beyond you. Beyond you. Marvel. Marvel at God, worship God, adore God. May your affections and passions be ignited so where you can just marvel at God's light that shines beyond you. Take some time this season. Take some time tonight to marvel at this light that is far bigger and greater than ourselves. To adore him for who he is. To worship him and worship him alone. And that's what I want to do as we close today. May we just worship God. May we take the few moments as our band leads us into the song just to, like Mary and Joseph, just to marvel. Can we marvel as a church for just a few moments at what he's done for us? May we marvel as, at his incarnation, God in the flesh, born of a virgin, lived the life that we should have lived, died the death that we should have died. Gave his life up for us on the cross, rose again, and is coming back. May we marvel at that. May we just stay in wonder. Will you stand with me as we worship? God, we thank you. We marvel we are left in awe of you, Jesus, of who you are, of what you've done, 
that through you, we have light. We're no longer in darkness. We're no longer hopeless. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're forgiven and redeemed. We have joy and peace, eternal life. God, we have blessing upon blessing. God, thank you for saving all types of people, including myself. Thank you for offering salvation to the entire world. And God, I pray if there's anyone today that they would take that offer of the gospel and acknowledge you as their Lord and Savior. God, you're marvelous, magnificent, majestic. And there's no one like you, Jesus. We love you and we worship you as a church. In your name we pray. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. Without you, this ministry would not be possible. If you feel led to give, please use the link below as we seek to make a difference in people's lives. Also, please make sure to share this with your family and your friends. Again, thank you so much for listening.